Those mutants are old. Trade them in for some new ones. Look at you and your little catchphrases. We talking about new mutants today or something? Perhaps. Perhaps. The origination of our second mutant team. Oh, snap. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. And Justin is very excited about today's episode, I'm just, I'm just excited in general. Well, yes, that's valid. That's valid. So, Claremont, right? We're still talking Claremont. We're still talking Claremont. We, we only talked one story so far. But he was asked to do more with the X-Men line. So Jim Shooter, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, he wanted more X-Men stories. X-Men was the most popular selling book. It had been for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Claremont didn't want to do that. He didn't. He didn't want to do another, another title. He didn't want to dilute the narrative that was... You remember what happened when Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead and then... Oh, no, no, no. Please don't go there. Right. It dilutes the title. It, exp- it, it just... You have all your energies split now. And he was he was afraid that that was what was going to happen to the mutants. Yikes. The mutants, right? The mutants. And I feel like that was you know a nice little nod to the original title, potentially, for Stan Lee's... Oh, by calling them new mutants? Maybe. I don't know. I just made that up. I mean, that's also <laughs> valid, babe. Also valid. Yes. Well, so, so Claremont said no. He didn't want to do it. Not today. But then he realized... It's gonna happen with or without him. You know, he's working at a big corporate company. They're oh. gonna they're gonna make a spinoff title whether he wants to do it or they hire someone else to do it. Well, they best not be hiring someone else to do it. Right. Well, that's what he wanted. If if they're gonna have another title, he wanted to control the narrative. He wanted to build out what was this bigger mutant idea. So he was forced into it, basically. Kind of, yes. They were like, ha ha ha, tricked ya. Yeah. And Normally, you think you think number one, right? You think that's that's the the start of the story. That's where everybody comes in. What do you mean? Like when we're starting a new yeah, yeah. title, it's going to be issue new one. title issue one, right? Yes. Not today. Oh, okay. Well, I guess also not for giant size X Men, but <laughs> oh, you mean haha, Alicia? You don't get to start at number one. I thought you were saying like Chris Claremont decided he wasn't going to start at number one. Like no, we. Us. Yes. We're not starting at number one. Right. Okay, where are we starting? New Mutants graphic novel. A whole graphic novel? So not in the sense that what you normally know a graphic novel to be, right? A graphic novel being a collection of a run of specific comics. Mm -hmm. This is not that. This is intended to be like a novel in graphic form. So it was produced outside of regular comic issues. What? It did not have, and it doesn't really come up much in this graphic novel, but it will in our next graphic novel. In our next graphic novel. But the graphic novels didn't... Say graphic novel again. The graphic novels. (laughs) Graphic novel, graphic novel, graphic novel! (laughs) Lion King. (laughs) Oh, man. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to cut this out, probably. It tingles me. <laughs> no, you're not cutting it out. That was solid gold. Okay, so the graphic novel, what were you going to say? It was not held to the same code, the Comics Code Authority. So it didn't have to pass the same rules. It was not oh. restricted to that same, because it was a book. It was not on the spinner racks. You know, it was... Interesting, interesting. So this this is not... The story that we're reading. What the heck? This is the cover of New Mutants number one. Oh, okay. Which actually comes after the graphic novel. Oi, oi, oi. So he didn't start with number one. He did not start with number one. He started with this graphic novel. This is signed by Claremont and Bob McLeod. Yes, I remember that Comic-Con adventure. Very exciting. Very exciting. All right, so what are we, what are we reading? Or what are we going through? Ooh. Marvel graphic novel number four, The New Mutants. Number four. Renewal. Renewal. And our creative team, written by Chris Claremont, art by Bob McLeod, letters by Tom Orzechowski, colors by Glenn Swing, edited by Louise Jones, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. The same team from a lot of the Uncanny issues. The same team. 
Except Make for it. the artist. Megan I mean, Magic. Bob McCloud had been a fill-in artist, a special guest fill-in artist at various times for issues of Uncanny X-Men, and had been around and in part of the conversation for a while. Cool. Hey, before we get started, we should let everybody know about our Patreon. Hey, we got a Patreon. Yeah, we're on Patreon. Um, we are, you know, taking our podcast to the next level and looking and hoping for some support to continue to grow. So if you have $3 a month that you could spare to help us out, you can find us as the Ex-Wife Podcast on Patreon. And um, for being a patron, you'll get some cool behind-the-scenes snippets from things that happen that get cut out of episodes, which, you know, rarely happens. Usually those <laughs> stay in there, but you know those it's going to be parts. good if it's cut out. And some photos and things that happen behind the scenes, maybe some recordings of conversations that Justin and I have outside of the podcast. Who knows? For a podcast. You know, it's fun stuff like that. And um, we would really appreciate your support. So if that's something you can do, head on over to Patreon and uh, check us out. Become a mutant. The level of sponsorship is titled Mutant and Proud. Wow, I want to be a mutant. Me too. All right, let's dive in page turn noise oh goodness this girl looks terrified she said what the blazes who do you think that is i don't know i'm gonna guess moira because i always guess moira and it is moira right it is moira that's why i asked you because <laughs> i knew you were gonna guess it was moira fantastic it's moira and a tumbling reverse changing werewolf question mark oh you got yeah so this transformation we're trying to make sense of what it is that we're seeing do you know who that is wolfsbane it is Ooh, i saw a movie yeah. and it's helping me yeah nice yeah so she even recognizes the wolf girl moira recognizes the wolf girl i delivered her years ago that's rain sinclair delivered her to the mansion not delivered her no delivered her like like gave birth to her not she gave birth, but she delivered, you know. Oh, I see. Wait, Moira delivers babies? Moira does everything. Moira is a Claremont woman. Oh, okay. I'm going to start using that. I didn't know that was a thing, a Claremont woman. Is a Claremont woman does it all, baby. A Claremont woman. I think this actually comes from a video from the Claremont run where at any time, it's a woman that would machine gun her way out of any kind of situation. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, so she recognizes, and then... And then we kind of have a similarity to Nightcrawler's first appearance. <gasps> Angry mob. This torch-bearing mob. Holding the Holy Bible. Yeah, that witch, she's with Lady Moira. Lady Moira? Yeah. Lady Moira. Yeah. <laughs> and we get our first introduction to Reverend Craig, who, you know, if I was a reverend, would I really be chasing and leading a, a, a torch-wielding mob? I'm maybe not I guess. going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> so they stand off and Moira gets away. You know, Moira is able to take Rain and, and leave. Rain. That's Wolfsbane's name. Rain Sinclair. Yes. Rain Sinclair. And now we're in Un Brazil. Well, at the, before we go to Brazil, okay. at the bottom of that page, Rain's safe for now. But the sooner she's far away from Whoa, here. That what? is not how I thought Rain was going to be spelled. I was like looking for where you are on the page and I'm like, where? Oh, okay. Sorry. Distraction. There's one place I can take her. One person who can truly help her. Charles Xavier. Charles. You know, but with the retcon of Deadly Genesis. It's like, can he really? Can he really? Mistaken, Moira. Seriously. You're mistaken. Now we're in Rio de Janeiro. Now we've gone to Brazil. And there's a football match. Soccer field, the football. Everyone looks happy about the game so far. Yep, and we see the crowd, the, the father and the girlfriend of this soccer, the father and girlfriend cheering on this soccer player, Roberto da Costa. All right, they look happy. They look happy until there's until. some pretty heavy foul play on the oh, field. Get get out of here, number nine. And it's that it's, uppercut to the back of the head. Like heavily racist interaction right here. Uh, just about the insults that he throws back and forth. And like what? It, you're in Brazil, man. 
You're not just like, where are you getting off doing all this nonsense? Uh, well, so, and I think that this actually came up in conversation in the casting of Roberto for the New Mutants movie. There's actually a lot of like colorism in Brazil and in that division. Yeah. In this exchange, and he's getting beaten up. He's getting punched in the face. He starts freaking out, doesn't know what's going on, and turns into this living flame of a person. Whoa. It looks like, I don't know, it doesn't look like a flame to me. It looks like, I don't know, like he's like yeah, maybe shadow, like he looks like Peter Pan's shadow right now. Maybe flame isn't correct, but solar energy is what's powering him. Okay. They don't yet tell you that, but that's eventually revealed that that's where he gets his power from. He's charged by the sun. Got it. And he's kind of embodying this cosmic energy. The crowd panics. Tens of thousands of people surging towards too few exits, carrying with them the desperately struggling figure of Emmanuel de Costa. That's his father. <gasps> but Juliana comes to his rescue. Aww. I don't want to hurt you, though. But she loves him. And then we have a man watching, mysterious viewer. Wanting to destroy new mutants. Mysterious viewer with a ruffly shirt. Ooh, ruffly shirt, huh? Ruffly shirts. Where's that from? Fiery. Ooh. <laughs> but we won't find out more about that because we're in Cameron County, Kentucky. Oh, on a construction site. Mountain now. mines. Think safety. We got Sam Guthrie, age 16, his first shift at Pierce Consolidated, number seven. His father recently died from the black lung. Oof. Yeah. That's different from the movie. Right. I think, well... In the movie, his father dies, but he doesn't he die in like a... A mine crash. Crash or yeah. like an avalanche or whatever inside right. the mine. But I mean, technically, he probably got black lung from being in the mine. So in the end, the mines kill him regardless. Right. Okay. So he's basically taking his father's place. Yeah, he's here. the man of the house now. He's given up his college scholarship and some of the other men recognize him and, and say that to him. And he's kind of devastated here. You just look at this guy. He just looks so sad, but he's doing what he has to for his family. Because mm -hmm. he's got a lot of brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah. I remember y'all saying that the Guthries, there's so many. The brood of Guthries. The brood. And there's a first day tragedy. Oh, no. You know, we're, we're in his head, his inner conflict, his emotions, as the mind starts caving in on Mr. Lewis. Things begin to happen. Oops. I see now I shouldn't have talked about the mine crash since it's coming. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it used in various ways how they interpret that story. Okay, so he sees him. He's getting crushed and then kahoom. He comes out like a cannonball. A cannonball, you say? Yeah, great visual of Sam's power. You, know, you have even, again, that evil viewer watching behind a screen. Ooh, and we're seeing a little more of that ruffly sleeve yes, and yes. that old-timey jacket. And he even references he can follow young Da Costa into the grave. So he's just, this, this ruffly-shirted man is just watching all these new mutants come into their powers. All these what? New mutants. Oh, snap. Why does he want them dead? Because. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> we'll find out. Later, child. The Medicine Brow Mountains, Moonstar. Ooh. Moonstar and a, what is that, like a? Ridge Runner. A panther? A, a, what kind of cat is that? Mountain lion? I'm going to say mountain lion. Yeah, I like that. Well, this mountain lion, sniff, sniff, something's up. Well, and also they seem to have, and it even recall, it even remarks, in rapport as they are. So they have a connection. They have a communication. Yes, they're connected. Danny Moonstar has, as part of her power, an ability to speak with or communicate with animals in some way. That's amazing. And on the next page, her grandfather is approaching. <gasps> grandfather. I've summoned a man, a teacher. You will go with him to learn how best to use the gifts you've been given by the great spirit, your powers of the mind. Ooh. He lives in New York. His name is Charles Xavier. A white? She is not happy. Right. And and that's kind of, you know, similar introduction. And there's a lot of similarities between this and Giant Size and this mm -hmm. collection of uh, less so recruited by Charles Xavier, right? We haven't seen Xavier at all. Right. We've only heard mention of him now twice. It's just mutants coming from all over the place to be forming a new team. But also Thunderbird specifically 
distrusting this white man and his needs for his his power and, mm-hmm. and for him as a person. Yeah, and also I think it seems like she's saying he's not going to understand how my connections and my abilities work. Yeah. Because he doesn't understand our culture. Right. And this rage triggers her power. And she's able to see a beating and a death. Oh, my God. So she sees the future? She doesn't see the future. She pulls out your greatest fear your or, or greatest desire and makes it seem as though it's happening in front of you, happening around you, happening to you. Oh, right. Another thing I now remember from the movie. So it's it's either your fear or your desire. And she gets to decide depending on how much control she has over her power. Right. Does she want to scare you or does she want to trick you right. into being like, look over here, the thing you love. <laughs> Not. And so this conversation back and forth between Danny and her grandfather, Black Eagle, about Xavier and how she should trust him. He was your father's best friend, his blood brother. And our viewer, our man behind the screen, is revealed. But is he? Like, his face is revealed, but like... It's Pierce. Donald Pierce, who you don't actually know the Hellfire Club members other than Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw. Right. So Donald Pierce is one of the Inner Circle members. I knew it was the Hellfire Club. I knew it. By those jackets. (laughs) Those fluffy sleeves. And those funny-looking hairdos. Not that beautiful. All right. So he's watching. He's watching. Wait a minute, though. Who's who's her father? Who's Xavier's blood brother? I don't think that we actually get a name. It's just he, he's, okay. he's dead. And yeah, so I, I don't think we Doesn't actually. Doesn't matter. Okay. We can't get all the story. Whatever. All right. So we have this reveal of the guy from the Hellfire Club. And he has a lady coming out of a countertop. So what exactly is that about? <laughs> She's trapped. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, yeah. That's Tessa, who is actually later revealed to be Sage. Oh, Sage. Mm-hmm. And this is much, much later that Tessa is revealed to be someone else. Gotcha. For now, she's Tessa. She's Tessa. And she was, I believe, the she had been the assistant of Sebastian Shaw. So she was in the Hellfire Club. She was, like, in with them. She was not a part of the inner circle, but she was a part of yeah. the Hellfire Club, yes. That's what I said. <laughs> I just was clarifying. <laughs> you just got so mad. <laughs> All right, so we're on the next page. Right? Mm-hmm. She's and having a bad dream or Bad something. dream, yeah, and grandfather has died. Oh, my goodness gracious, already? Already. How did he die? We don't know. I don't know yet. She knows, Danny knows that something's happened, and she even says... To the sheriff, Black Eagle will be just another drunken old Indian who wandered out onto the highway and got himself splattered. A hit and run, an accident, Musar knows differently. Oof. And she even thinks, like, like, was it a premonition that she had seen before? Mm. Interesting. Mm. She says, I will have vengeance. And we cut, to, we cut to Professor Charles Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, a unique institution whose handful of students were themselves unique. They were mutants, gifted from birth, with paranormal abilities that set them apart from the rest of humanity. Here they all are. So we see Rain in the corner, Moira at the computer, and Xavier is analyzing Shan, Shan Koi Man, who is Karma, or will become Karma. And she was actually introduced in another comic before this. There was a... Karma was? Yeah. There was a Spider-Man and Fantastic Four team-up. And it was part of the narrative, and, and they contacted Charles Xavier because they knew that he might be able to help her with her powers. He might be able to help her control what was going on. So there's a lot of, like, threads that are coming together. And we also find out on this page, the X-Men are dead. What? Or at least Xavier thinks they are. Or Xavier's pretending they are because he's a big dumb dummy and he likes to make people think things that aren't true. No, he, he doesn't. He thinks they're dead. Okay. So <laughs> in... <laughs> Or you don't know, and he's still tricking you right now. No. Maybe. Maybe. Actually, well, actually, interesting interesting enough what gets revealed and after. So they're in space. They're on the Brood Saga. and Who is they? The The X-Men. Okay. And Xavier thinks that they're dead. Gotcha. Or at least we think that Xavier thinks that they're dead. Gotcha. 
And so what's going on here with this helmet? Like, what are they trying to... Why are they examining or experimenting on karma? They're testing her powers and they're testing to try to work with her to see just what are her capabilities. Karma has the ability to possess someone. Oh. So kind of both Danny and Shan have these variations of telepathy in some way. I see. We talk a little bit about the specifics of how... Shan's power works and Rain just freaks out and becomes this half wolf creature. Why? Because something's happened to Moira, Lady Moira. Oh, it's like she's protecting her. Right, right. And then we take a lunch break. Yeah, and we're done with that. Everything's fine. And they're talking a little bit about Shan, her backstory, details that are untold. What is she hiding? And just this reaction from Rain. Is that cause for rejoicing? That we've mastered these gifts from Satan. So she was raised by Reverend Craig mm -hmm. and is very religious and has these conflicted emotions on how to feel about what's going on in her body, what's going on around her. Because everyone told her that she's from the devil because basically, yeah, she has powers. Yeah. And Xavier's like, nah, it's natural. It's all good. I love it. You're mutants. Xavier does not look like he is enjoying his lunch over here. Well, he's also like, I feel like Xavier mirrors Claremont in this. He is reluctant to start this team. He does not want to do it. And that's made note throughout the book is that, you know, he doesn't want to put people in danger again. He doesn't want to create another X-Men. And that influences and informs what this team will become or what he hopes this team will become, that they're really just there to train to be better at, at handling their mutant abilities. Interesting. So, there he's like no we're not starting another team but i'll help you figure out how your powers work and how to best use them basically right. but i'm not about to be starting a squad i don't need to call them the x-men yeah which i don't know how you like live in the xavier mansion you see all these pictures of various x-men teams you're not an x-men though you're not a, you can't you don't get in the blackbird don't live that dream it's not for you it's not for you yeah, and even on the next page, I cannot train you. I'm tired of gathering young children to die. So the X-Men were kidnapped by the brood in Uncanny X-Men number 161. And he's having this internal conversation about Xavier's responsibility to his dream and the X-Men themselves. And on the last panel of this page, all right, I'll, I'll do it. You know, fine, because <laughs> it's going to happen without him, whether he wants to or not. So you got to just suck it up and do it. Just do it. Claremont. Do it. Xavier. So we get a little bit more backstory of Rain's connection to Moira and her character. Milady Moira. I should call her doctor, I suppose, but she's a Kinross, heir to the domain. While I'm an orphan ward of the church to Lady Moira, had Hersel named my guardian. She treats me as an equal, but we're not, and we cannot ever be. She loves her. She loves her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's like a mother figure. Okay. She loves her. Look at the way she's looking at her while she's sitting on that windowsill as Moira leaves the room, longingly looking at her. I don't know about that. I think that she loves her. I think she loves her as though she is her mother figure. Okay. So they're, they've been summoned. They've been called. There's a letter from Colorado, special delivery. And it seems that, you know, we have to go. Someone's died. So they, oh. they go to Black Eagle's funeral. The gang's all gathering together now. But without Mr. Eagle, Monsieur Eagle, what hope have we of finding his granddaughter? A moment later, they get their answer as they start to see all these images. Incredibly, impossibly, the highlands of Colorado are transformed into those of Vietnam at the height of the war. And Shan, it's her most primal private terror to be thrown back into the nightmare that has dominated her life from birth. Yikes. But there's an explosion like everything else feels even xavier notices that explosion no illusion it was real as he's thrown from his wheelchair what now and in come these what are these what are these guys oh it is a mountain lion it even says oh yeah i nailed it and they're coming in they're flying and their helmets protect them from telepathy oh so basically what you're saying is moonstar was creating some sort of protection at the funeral and scaring the Cause team, cause the quote-unquote team, Xavier and his friends. Yeah. And then these other dudes on their little pink hoverboards came in and they actually were causing an explosion. So mm -hmm. 
those two things together is where we're at now. Right. And we're almost like these are the figures that were in that premonition or that that spirit form. Did they kill Black Eagle? Oh, he just threw that mountain lion right off the edge. Yeah. That's terrible. Now, Danny's spirit forms have no effect, but Karma is able to possess one of these soldiers. Oh, snap. And so they finally are able to, with with the help of Karma taking over this guy, the other two are defeated. And Danny realizes, you killed my cat. You killed Black Eagle. You desecrated his grave. Whatever your most primal, most fearsome nightmare is, may it shrivel your mind and body and soul. Because he's got no helmet on anymore, so he's in trouble now. Which I think is kind of interesting to think about the source of Danny's power versus Shan's. How can her mental abilities, her possessive abilities affect through this helmet and Danny's spirit forms not? Because I think if Shan can get inside like Shan basically possesses you, so she becomes you, where Danny seems to be projecting images into your mind. So on the one hand, one of them is doing like manip- mind manipulation, and the other one is taking over their mind. I mean, I know that's like, what does that even mean? But that is kind of a difference. Yeah. Like I one's just, showing you things. But I feel like if if a helmet is preventing access to your mind to be manipulated your thoughts preventing access to your mind and not having your thoughts be able to manipulate how are you able to break through and take over their mind that's a good question i don't know so there's there's again a back and forth between danny and her her reluctance to want to go with these people she doesn't want to she doesn't trust them she blames xavier for not being there you know a lot of good your promise did grandfather I need nothing from you, white man. Leave my hills. Leave me. Get out of here. But it looks like she's found a friend. She gets injured, right? And and so, Shan, one advantage of living in a country at war, you learn first aid. Ah, she's got skills outside of mutant abilities. What is this checkered jacket Xavier is wearing? My goodness. That's style. He looks like a checkerboard. That is pure style. I will disagree with you on that, but that's okay. <laughs> that is a man of means. On our next day, the Regency Hotel, Rio de Janeiro. Everyone else has arrived. These police officers come in and just slap Moira. Oh my. Okay, that's aggressive. Smack, you're under arrest. <laughs> Karma has an escape plot and she possesses one of the officers. Handcuffs are on Danny's and my wrist, but they're not locked. So she she's already plotting. All right, this is this is happening. There's police officers. I can't take control of both of them, I don't think. I don't think. Hmm. Maybe she can eventually. And she uses one of the police officers to punch the other one in the face. Run! <laughs> Mora can take care of herself. Where's Rain? We need to find DaCosta. Where are you gonna find him? Looks like he's at the beach. No? He's in an alleyway. Yeah, there there. The hotel is on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so DaCosta's running from another guy in a red suit? Mm-hmm. Alone, as you instructed, I've come. Release Juliana. So she's she's been captured. Oh my goodness. A lot has happened that we didn't know about. Yeah. You're in no position to make demands. We'll do as we please with you and your cutie. Oh, snap. Yeah. We'll do as we please. Who are we? We get the ne- on the next page. We see some kind of familiar faces. Hellfire Club goons. Oh... So they start they start getting ready to rough him up, but Sunspot changes into his other form and makes a run for it, makes a makes an attempt to break free. Oh snap. But he's not doing very well. He's not doing very well, so he doesn't have a whole lot of power too. And his power is not infinite. You know how Colossus turns into metal and can stay metal mm-hmm. when Sunspot is in his powered form. Well you said he gets his power from the sun, right? Right. And he's in a dark alley. Well, so he can charge, he can like reserve power stores, mm-hmm. but yeah, once once he uses it up, he needs to recharge his powers again. Yikes. That's kind of crappy as far as like power sets go, you know, you have to recharge. It's like with Pyro when he, if he doesn't have any fire around him, he right. doesn't do anything. Doesn't have anything, yeah. It's limitations, kind of a interesting. Yeah, I'm just saying it's a, it's a bummer. It's if a you're, bummer if you're that guy. You're yeah. that guy. You're like, oh man, gotta recharge. 
And this interesting note about we're not normal guys. Well, what does that mean? We were once till a mutant, a mutie named Wolverine cut us to ribbons, near killed us. Now we're bionic, part man, part machine. Super fast, agile, tough, and strong. And we hate muties. <gasps> oh, dear. Yeah, so he's running out of sun power. He's turning back to a real boy. But then all of a sudden, one of them has the same... I don't know if you started to recognize that power on his head. Yeah. That's Shan taking over this Hellfire goon. ruh And then is this pink floating power, that's Moonstar. That's Danny Moonstar, yeah. Because she's making him see Wolverine. Wolverine. Oh, snap. That's that's... definitely my biggest fear. Wolverine almost destroyed me. Right. And now these two, these two are... Taking down those goons. Mm, jumping in. <laughs> and there's confusion. There's fighting. We don't really know who's on what team. Roberto accidentally punches Shan in the face. One of the Hellfire Club goons fires and shoots Juliana as she saves Roberto. Oh, no. No, Juliana. Oh, this is, this is a tragedy. She's dead. <laughs> Why'd she have to die? She was just a lady. Yeah. Loving a boy, a, a girl loving a boy who's a mutant. And and Roberto is distraught. You know, I, I want no teacher. I want revenge. Oh, because they're like, hey, come, come. We've got this guy. He's going to show us what's up. Yeah. He's I care like, nothing no. for teachers. I want the person responsible for this. The one who sent these men to destroy me, whatever the cost. Uh-oh. And Danny says, we want him too. What say we join forces? Let's get him. You know, these these are potentially the same forces that took out her grandfather potentially but they're wearing completely different costumes so i honestly don't know that i would make that connection if i was reading this for the first time mm-hmm. i mean maybe because there might be more clues to that in the dialogue that i'm clearly not reading but visually they look different so the hellfire club seems to have it going on because they've got a lot of options <laughs> D- different kinds of goons lots of goons all kinds of goons hey we're back in kentucky we're back in Kentucky and we're with Xavier and Rain as they're driving on the road. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Someone just comes flying into their car? Sam. Sam crashes into the car. We don't know why. And then... Also, also, look at what he's wearing. He's wearing one of those suits. No, it's not. It's opposite colors. It's similar, though. They got they got so many different kind of costumes. Oh, gosh. So he's a Goonie Goon now? He's a Goonie Goon now. And they let you know that he's a Goonie Goon because he's the only one not wearing a face mask on the next page. (laughs) For some reason, he doesn't wear the creepy face mask, so... He likes his own face. Yeah. And they're wondering, you know, is someone else here? No, No humans were picking up. So they load him into the helicopter, no questions. He's working for them. He's employed. Sam. No. He's got it, you know. He probably didn't want to, but... He didn't necessarily know that they were the bad guys. And they go off with Xavier as Rain howls to the wind. But she's tracked their scent. She's coming for you. Yeah. And I love this mid-transitional form that she does. I think probably maybe for the first time. We've seen a little bit of her when, when she reacted. But this is half half wolf, half woman. This panel is just giving me Animorph book vibes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when we were kids. That like, literally looks like a cover of an yes, Animorph book. it's the cover of an Animorph. <laughs> It's awesome. Yeah, but she's like half human, half wolf. So she's using her her lupine strength and human dexterity to leap over these fences and just run away from these dogs. The best of both worlds. So she's spying on the spies, the evil guy that had been spying on them. He's back. And they've got Xavier kidnapped. And they got they got a weird little mind whatever device on top of Xavier. They're like crushing his skull yeah with technology i think this is interesting how in these thought bubbles rain is again having this internal conflict with herself labeling herself as a monster which i I think is another interesting comparison to nightcrawler but much more of an extreme because of Mm. her ingrained self-hatred that's interesting yeah it's interesting that you're saying that so would you say that you can connect each of these new mutants to a giant size because you said Nightcrawler and Rain and then Thunderbird and Danny Moonstar. Is that kind of, that was just like, those just happened organically. You're not trying to like. Yeah, I I don't have like a a specific comparison for each of them, but there are some personality similarities. I would say that. 
You don't think it's like an intentional choice. It's just like they happened. Potentially, you know, Claremont did have access to all these stories and potentially seeding in some similarities going off of these ideas. But something to think about or not. (laughs) Just have said it now. We said it. Okay, let's move on. So. So Xavier's mind powers are offline as Pierce does his evil monologue. (laughs) And we hear something off from the side. And it's Danny. My psionic rapport with animals allows me to mind speak with rain. Ooh. Which speaks to their closeness as characters and, and how and why they develop such a close bond. Mm, and that, that was definitely in the movie. So that was in, in the and movie. Did that they was, talk to each other in their minds in the movie? Danny was able to communicate with rain in some way or, or feel her instincts. Yes. Yeah. Just making connections. Yeah. Now we've got our security man who makes a bunch of noise blasting off all around and finds this wolf spy. I found you, wolf spy. That's the girl from before, a wolf girl? What? Danny sends Sam flying with a mental image, this idea of crashing down, and he he rockets out of there. Man. I'm, I'm back in the mine, the cave-in. I've got to get out. And when he does this, guards respond. They bust out with the full team, the moral conflicts of... What they're doing, how they're how they're able to fight these people. These new mutants, let me tell you, they don't need Xavier. So far, I haven't seen Xavier train them, and they have just they just dive in and they fight. That's actually pretty characteristic of things going forward too, and that's also going to be a big struggle. Is that Xavier's intention is that they're not a field team, that they are they're intended like, to be ah, students. That yeah, we are clearly a field team. We right. are in the field. <laughs> Look at us go. Shan? Yep. So Roberto, Shan, and Danny were all together. They came from having found Roberto. Rain had followed the scent there. So yeah, this is kind of the big combination of everyone together. And even Shan is having this conflict as she's firing a a gun at these people so that they they get scared and run off. Forgive me, Lord, another thing to confess to Per Bowen before Mass next Sunday, if I live that long. Which is interesting, you know, they they don't really talk about Kurt's connection to God in the beginning. That's something that is revealed over time. But now we have two very, where it's a big part of their moral compass. They've made it inside. They've made it inside and Roberto is ripping things apart. He's got a lot of internal conflict thinking about... What's going on? What happened to Juliana? He's, he's still mourning the fact that his, his girlfriend yeah, just died. She just died. A couple pages ago. And all of a sudden, a wolf. Ruh-roh. Only to yelp in surprise as her teeth grind against cables, gears, and sophisticated electric circuits. Wait, what? Inside his body? What? 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 Yeah. His goons aren't the only ones with cybernetic parts. This is an outrage. I did not know this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He throws Rain off. Be gone, wolf lady. Danny tries to bust in and use her mind powers. But like my men, I too am bionic. And among my myriad systems are defenses against all forms of psionic assault. Ha ha ha. That evil laugh panel is so awesome. Yeah. I simply reflected your power back at you. I hope it hurt. Now, to your point about Xavier not really doing much, he is now actually... That's good. Good job, Xavier. Way to earn your money. Wait, he gets paid? No. <laughs> no. We just do this for fun. In comes Cannonball. From behind. Oh, snap, he's just a kid. That don't matter to the Hellfire Club. Yeah. This this internal, not really conflict, but Rain is really in a bad place right now. She's really injured, and Xavier is telling her, you know, keep going. You have to do this. You have to turn this off. And his mind bubble, her effort is making her injuries worse. I'm killing her. Yet, for all of our sakes, I must... Goad her on. Yeah, whatever, Xavier. You must keep telling yourself that. I'm done with Xavier. I know. I know. I'm glad. I'm done with him. And Shan tries to take control of him. She has one power, her mutant power. I have many. And is able to zap her, stun her, and commands, Guthrie, kill them. So Shan's trying to take control of the Hellfire guy. Right. Without knowing that he's part cyborg. She can't get up in there. Right. And then, boom, Sam got three. And he says, no, sir. No, sir. I see um, these team of kids, and I think I'd rather be on their side. Yeah. And also, you know, just what we're being asked to do is not what I want to do. Uh-oh. He's pointing a gun 
I think it's, you know, and again, you talk about the differences in power, you talk about the abilities to affect certain people and not, you know, the the mind powers didn't affect Pierce at all from Danny or Shan. Mm -hmm. But now Xavier is able to impact his abilities, impact his, Hmm. what he's doing. That's interesting because he literally just said all forms of psionic assault. So is it because, is there a difference between a psionic assault and a telepathic assault? I don't know. I don't think so. So how did you do it, Xavier? Proven your skills against children. Let's see how you fare against an adult. Ooh. So I think it's just his power level and what he's able to do. So Xavier's able to control Pierce and tells him to release Miss Tessa. Tessa. And now that he's made a breakthrough on his psionic barriers, Karma is able to take control. Ah, that's good. He busted down the door and now she's in. Which is an interesting description, you know, kind of furthering of their differences in power. Mm-hmm. Question is, what about Pierce? We dare not take him with us. If Shan relaxes her concentration and he breaks free, he could slay us all before we even know it happened. Yet we dare not leave him behind or wait for the authorities to arrive. I have a solution. The Hellfire Club takes care of its own. Pierce has proven himself as a great threat to us as to you. I think you can safely assume you've heard the last of him. Whoa. So she's saying he went against the Hellfire Club? Yeah. He was just going rogue, just doing his own thing. Yeah. <gasps> Dude, not good. You're in trouble now. Yeah. And Sam's like, hey, what do I do? And Berto's like, get out of here. You're, your boss went that away with that lady. Why don't you go with them? And just the sadness. This sad panel where the, the elevator door is just closing. Xavier and the others are just in there. And he's just like, huh, I'm alone. Yeah. That's so sad. We have an epilogue. Oh, an epilogue. Two weeks later. Oh, look at those pictures of the teams. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, How do you see all the... Well, who are the X-Men? Well, they, Not you. You, you, don't, you don't get to be that. And you have each of them suiting up into their training uniforms. Their X-Men, not X-Men training uniforms. Yeah. Here's a training uniform. It has an X on it. You're not an X-Men. Yep. Rude. And they all meet with Professor Xavier, and, and he calls Danielle out. You're out of uniform. Please explain yourself. I am Cheyenne. Nothing, no one will ever make me forget or abandon my heritage. I'm also an individual, Professor. You say we must wear these clothes. I will do as you ask but in my own manner. If that bothers you, I can leave. Yes, get it. Which is really just, she is a strong-willed character. Yeah. And I feel like that comes through the entire story and it comes through her character throughout. On this last panel on the page. Someone's at the door. Sam Guthrie's outside. Again, he does not look like a teen. Right. Well, he's he's also really tall and I guess that that might be why, but yeah. (laughs) Maybe. But he's wearing a suit and tie. Well, because he's, he's trying, trying, to, make to, trying to make a good impression. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, it's the lad who works for that Blackguard Pierce. Anyone can make a mistake, Rain. Let's let him in. So Berto is unwilling to accept him, though. Not having it. What does one who strikes from behind know of honor? Ooh. Not much, I guess, but I'm willing to learn. Good Xavier just looking at them like, <laughs> they'll be a team yet. Even though I don't want them to be. They will be. Yeah. Well, and this this as they're all happy and coming together and excited, you know, for the first time in weeks, he feels the impossible ache of grief and loneliness ease in his heart. It is not gone. Indeed, he knows it will never completely leave. The loss is too great, but it no longer consumes him. He has begun again. The dream is still good. The beginning. The beginning. That's it. That's it. That's our graphic novel. That's our introduction to the New Mutants. Well... The New Mutants. What do you think? I liked that there were an, the introductions of multiple characters and then they figured out a way for all of those introductions to be tied together so that they still had, you know, like an epic battle and got to kind of come into their own. But yeah. it wasn't a bunch of individual stories. They were somehow all connected and it was like a slow build. Yeah, it kind of took the the elements of Giant Size, these individual intro stories plus the big threat and thread it all into one cohesive story. So I definitely liked that. So that that in itself, that was the graphic novel. Yep. And then there's the comics that comes after. Right. So it definitely did a good job of getting things set up for people to want to read the comics because I, as a reader or as a person who now has a taste of that story, like I want to know why Pierce, like what he was up to, what his 
difference of opinion from the rest of the Hellfire Club is like Mm -hmm. what caused him to want to gather or be spying on these children. He wanted to kill them too. Yeah, and like how does that, how did he know about them at the same time that Moira and Charles were knowing about them? Like that's interesting. It's a cool, like they all have interesting powers that we haven't really seen before, you know. We haven't really seen um, many people, to my knowledge, that can turn into animals. Mm-hmm. So that that's a new cool addition. Yeah, I feel like everyone's, you know, you have you have twists on the strong guy character mm-hmm. with Roberto, who also has this limitation to his power which is kind of interesting you have the really strong-willed characteristics and and really individualized characters that really only came from the hardened adults of the giant size team you know beforehand they were just a bunch of 50 year old teenagers yeah i i think it's cool too that a lot of the well i guess all the female characters they have multiple layers to, to their what powers. their powers can do you know like danny has this ability to project you seeing these things but apparently she also sort of has like a future telling you know premonition vibe based on what she saw with her grandfather maybe maybe not and then the ability to communicate with animals like that's they're all you know have to do with her brain Mm. in in that sense but they're different factors or different facets of her powers not only are the female characters more layered in their powers but there's more of them yeah. right before it was just it was storm and then we just recently not not too long ago added kitty right and then in the original five it was just gene right so now it's like this is a team of of five new mutants and three out of the five are female characters right that's awesome and we'll actually get more female characters added to this roster oh with amara aquila who's magma and Ileana Rasputin. Ooh, Ileana. And Cypher, Doug. Doug. And Warlock. Warlock. I just felt like I had to, <laughs> had to repeat it because you said Cypher and I said Doug. You know, you get it. It just yeah, felt yeah, like yeah, it had to yeah, happen. Yeah. yeah, I like it. I like the story. I mean, honestly, think that, you know, you know Xavier is a, he's sort of the connection point for all of them. But aside from... The little bit of the moment at the end when yeah. they were struggling, that whole story could have existed without Xavier. Well, he brought them together. But Moira could have brought them together. I guess. Maybe. Yeah. I, I just don't know. Like Moira brought Rain to Xavier because of his specialty, because of his school, because of like she wanted him to be the next step in their training and evolution. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I get that. And I agree. I just think like when they were, for the most part, when they're bouncing from location to ke- location, like gathering the team or, or what have you, like he wasn't really too heavily involved in that. Was, he was very much a background character until the end when then he was sort of, yeah. And like, why did... Why did Pierce want Xavier? Like, what else was he trying? Was he trying to find other mutants? Is that why he had him? Like, I have a lot of questions about that. But that's not really the point of what this recap is. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that that determines how interested you are in the story and, and actually yeah. checking it out. And and I think that is a, a sign of a good story or a good setup, good intro story into yeah. a larger story is that I'm intrigued by mm. what happened and I want to know more, so... Yeah, and you know there is that graphic novel that you have. That's much larger than what was the renewal story. So that has that Spider-Man and Fantastic Four team up. That was the introduction of Shan, mm-hmm. and then it also has, I believe, the first twelve issues of New Mutants. Oh wow! And then at the back of it, it has the four-issue miniseries of Ilyana and Storm, mm. which is how Ilyana became magic, or how Ilyana grew to be who she is. That's cool. I like her a lot. We'll be talking about her at another time. Excellent. Because she becomes a pretty big part of the Dawn of X. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait to get back to the Dawn of X. What about you? What What are your overall thoughts? I really or like feelings. Yeah, I really like this as a, you know, you have a lot of internal conflict. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that takes all the strengths that Claremont has cultivated through Uncanny X-Men and applies them to a new team and gets some ability to experiment a little bit about who these people are. You know, he didn't create any of the characters other than Kitty co-created. He didn't create any of those other characters. He, he wrote their backstories. And, and you know, you could argue that 
maybe he did actually create them because mm-hmm. he defined who those characters were, but he gets them at the beginning. Here, he's able to partner with Bob McCloud and, and work on the visual design, the power sets, the internal conflicts. Mm. There's a lot more onus onto him. And I feel like that is why you feel a lot more cohesion in that story, a lot yeah. more connectivity between this one character, this one character, and the overall story. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. I'd say as a story, this I, I like this introduction. The first handful of issues or the first, you know, maybe 12, 18 issues of New Mutants isn't the greatest. It's it's mm, fine. That's uh, a long time for it not to be the greatest. Like for, for it to, you have to really want it to work for it to be, you know, up to the potentially the first 18 issues as a reader right. to continue to hang on to be like, okay, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Right. Do the issues tie to anything that happens in the X Men universe? Yep. So that's that's part of it. You know, it's like well, and then it, yeah. you know it ties in, so you're gonna stick it out because potentially, yeah. You wanna you wanna get all the connections, and then the big the thing, the big energizer to the story to this title was Bill Sienkiewicz when he became the artist on the title, and their first collaboration is the Demon Bear Saga. Oh yeah, and that's a huge part of the movie too. That is basically the plot of the movie yeah we'll talk about that at another time too at another time we'll have to rewatch that yeah we're gonna talk about it oh you mean the the comic the comic yeah but maybe we could just talk about both sure yeah be interesting to have them compared well this was good this was good i missed doing my page turn noise it's been a couple you know interview episodes so that was fun really well in the order in which we've recorded them, not necessarily gotcha. in the order that they've been released. All right, well, until next time, old friend. Charles, we don't need you. We're new mutants. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>